Coming to you from San Mateo, California, this is Stories from the Sales Floor, the podcast that connects you with crushers of quotas, barons of the bottom line, and revenue-generating royalty. Here are your hosts, Ben Sardella, co-founder and CRO at Datanize, and Brandon Redlinger, head of growth at Persist IQ. Welcome to today's show. I'm Brandon Redlinger. And I'm still Ben Sardella. <laughs> and today we've got uh, we've got an interesting show. Uh, interesting in a good way. So we've all had to deal with those those difficult customers, those difficult prospects, but some really just stand out. We'll never forget them. All aboard the crazy train. Some people <laughs> you deal with just seem to find pleasure in making your life hell. And uh, I guess we sign up for that in sales, but... You know, we got to we got to deal with it and hear some stories about it, right? Yeah, that, that's that's right. You know, I, I I've always wondered: do these people know what they're doing, or are they just uh, are they just complete jackasses? It's it's, it's hard, but they're, they're the people we need to buy from us, right? So <laughs> we have to treat them with respect. <laughs> got to deal with them. Got to deal with them. So uh, on our last podcast, we talked about some crazy things that our guests have done to close deals. Um, and that was anything from dressing up like superheroes to uh, sweetening the deal with some food or beverage, alcoholic beverage that is. Um, and today we're talking about what's the craziest demand that a customer or a prospect has ever made. And the reason behind some of these crazy demands you'll hear today seem to fall into some distinct categories, let's say. So either the client really wants out of the deal uh, or they just want to lowball you, they want the best price possible. Um, or they're just they just really enjoy fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's let's jump right in. Our first guest is Brian Burns. He is the host of the Brutal Truth about Sales and Selling podcast, and he's also the author of the Maverick Selling Method. Which uh, fun little fact that was the second book that I ever read when I got into sales. Um, right when that was published, it made a few of the hot lists, so I figured I'd pick it up. Um, so definitely check out some of Brian's material. Yeah, and Brian talks about a client who basically wanted to buy a universal license for his company's solution and had made the offer uh, to pay $5 million for that. I feel like that's something we'd, we'd all jump at the chance at, but wait do you hear the story. Uh, there's been a, a tremendous amount, and usually when you get crazy demands, it's usually a sign that there's something wrong with the deal. Um, it was probably when I was a manager and one of my reps said, Oh, this company wants to buy like $5 million, this enterprise universal license of our product. They don't want to buy it per user. They don't want to buy it per CPU. They want it enterprise and they're willing to give us $5 million if we're willing to do that. And it just smelled wrong. (laughs) And, you know, so I, I flew down. Uh, to meet with the, the the VP down there, and he was new to the company, and it was basically a a, a goat rodeo, kind of a fire drill, and uh, he really didn't have the funding. He didn't. Re- he was just playing with us, and you know the the rep that had done it. I, I tried to push it, and he says you got to talk to him, and you go through the motions. But usually, when you get crazy demands in sales, it's someone playing games instead of somebody really being real with you. And up next, we have Mary Lou Tyler. She is the co-author of Predictable Revenue and the CEO and founder of Strategic Pipeline, which is a sales consultancy. And also, I'm super stoked about her new book, Predictable Prospecting. I know that doesn't come out till um, I think it's August, but I already have my book 
book pre-ordered, so I'm stoked about that. Yeah, keep a heads up for that. Uh, side note, I think Mary Lou had one of the best voices of all the folks we interviewed for the podcast. I know, very soothing, We talked right? about that. Yeah. Very soothing, yes, exactly. So uh, Mary Lou was developing software for a client who had just one demand, albeit a crazy one. How about you just copy Apple's code? Yeah, sounds good to me, right? <laughs> I think the the one that pops to mind is way back when, when Apple was just starting up and they had this graphical user interface called a GUI, is what it was called. There were people who were trying to emulate the GUI interface. And as a software, I was this was a software project. I was actually designing software for somebody. And they wanted essentially the Apple GUI interface embedded inside their software, but they didn't want to really pay for the development time for it because they said it already pre-existed. So just copy what Apple was doing. It was a firm out of Chicago. I can't even remember their name, but they, because um, I, I probably blocked it out of such a horrible experience. But, you know, we went down the path of writing the design specification. We did everything that we could, but let them know that the GUI development has to be done independently because of the fact that you can't just copy somebody's software. So they slapped a some type of legal document or they did something with legal like a cease and desist that they weren't going to pay us for anything that we had done up front to date because we violated a contract with them to create this GUI interface. It was clear that they were trying to lowball any vendor that would come in and do the work for them uh, and then own everything outright, but they didn't want to pay for that. So that was a big thing for me to really start understanding contracts, what that means, how to get contracts that are mu mutually agreeable, and also to know when to stop and not do any more work until you get to the point where you know, you're getting paid for your services. And up next is Matt Hines of Hines Marketing. And I don't know about you, Ben, but Matt hates it when clients expect face-to-face -face meetings at a moment's notice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty tough, especially when you're a startup and it's hard to get out of the office and um, take all those expenses for a opportunity that might not be fully vetted yet. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, you know, some prospects just feel like maybe we should have teleporters and just appear in their offices whenever they want us to. So Th that would be very nice. It, it would be. Um, maybe a next startup idea. Maybe that's what we should work on after the podcast. Right, but uh, <laughs> all right, here's Matt. You know, we get uh, we get crazy requests all the time, you know, sometimes from prospects, sometimes from existing customers. Um, but we we are very serious about the core values that we hold ourselves to uh, in our company. Like they're on their, they're on our wall. We have we have awards that we give out at team meetings that are not for performance. They're based on adherence and examples of people keeping to our core values. And we not only hold ourselves accountable to that and hire for that. We hold our clients and partners accountable to that as well. And so you know those are things like you know results being results driven, being honest, being respectful. Um, and there are, are there are times when prospects ask us to do things, or 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 come with an approach that does not reflect that. You know, when we hear a, when we hear a marketing team say their job is to flood the sales team with leads, um, that is not a good approach, and that is not respectful of what the sales team needs. Uh, we've had clients that are not respectful of their their own time, let alone our time. You know, we've had we've we've started conversations with com companies where, you know, at like four thirty in the evening, four thirty in the afternoon, they'll be like, "Hey, can you join us for an eight o'clock meeting tomorrow morning?" We're in Seattle, they're in San Francisco, 
And we're like, sure, happy to dial in. They're like, no, we want you here. I'm like, if that's the way you're going to operate, like you think about like you know, the, the the courting, right? Like you're dating, you're trying to find a mate. Like, you know, you are never going to be nicer than when you're courting. <laughs> so if if they're making those kind of demands on you, like before you even started a relationship, like it's it's likely only going to go downhill from there. And yes, they may have cash money. And yes, they may actually like help us pay bills. And if I close that deal, it's one other deal I don't have to close elsewhere. But at what cost? At what cost to, you know, to conflicting with our own values? At what cost to our people? Uh, that's a slippery slope. And I'm not willing to go down that. So I think that's and that is a real example uh, from a prospect that we ultimately uh, uh, didn't work with. So next up, we've got Mark Birch, managing director of Birch Ventures and co-founder of both enterprise sales and sales development meetups. Yeah, Mark's story falls into the they were just fucking with me category. <laughs> yeah. And this one, Mark talks about a huge deal that almost blew up because of none other than Mickey Mouse. Usually when you think of demand, you're thinking about what, what a customer wants to get out of you, right? But there's also the other side of the demand equation where they just want to push your buttons. And so this was a story from uh, the latter part. So we had a deal with a big, huge investment bank, which we ended up losing, by the way, which was a real, real crushing blow. But it, in, in some ways... I actually felt it was okay that we lost that. If there's ever an okay moment to lose a, a big deal, but it was being led, the whole valuation process was being led by a particular person who was just very, very difficult to work with. Uh, very argumentative, uh, would just cut you off whenever, had very little respect for people's time or, or really anything. Just a very difficult human being. And I think I can generally like pretty much anyone, and I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with this woman. But I didn't, like, for some reason, on some weird vibe, like, she said, okay, well, I'll work, with, I'll work with Mark, even though she you know, gave me hell. But there was a sales engineer that we had on the deal, one of the best sales engineers uh, out there in our company. Brilliant, brilliant person. And we had a demo or whatever, and you know, I thought it went pretty well. And then uh, she uh, asked me to stay. I said, okay. So everyone, everyone leaves, and just myself, her, and one of her lieutenants. And she says, I can't have him coming to anyone, any more of our meetings. I want him fired. Uh, would there be a reason for this? She said, obviously he has no respect for our organization or for me, that he would walk in and do a demo and wear a Mickey Mouse watch is thoroughly unacceptable. She, she really called out the Mickey Mouse watch there? <laughs> I like Mickey. She, what the hell's wrong with her? Yeah. It's American stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I would have understood maybe if it was like, you know, maybe it was like a, a Playboy watch or, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seemed so outlandish. And asked him, asked to have him fired. Well, fi fi fired from the deal, right? So oh, okay. Not, like Got fired it. from the company, but um, yeah, fired from the deal team. And I, I was just—I didn't even know how to respond. I said, "Well, it's—it's it's a watch. This is—if I'm understanding correctly, you feel that he's not being respectful because he wore a certain watch." And she said, "Well, he obviously doesn't understand our culture. He doesn't understand our company. 
and we can't have those type. Of, we cannot work with those types of people. Uh, I said, well, I don't know if what I don't know if I can do that. I don't. I'm not his manager. It went all the way up the chain in my company, and eventually, decision was made. Well, he will not be working on that deal anymore. And I actually felt good for him because, quite frankly, I think he he escaped a real uh, a real doozy. But uh, that's probably the craziest thing that's ever come up. Who doesn't like Mickey Mouse? That's fucked up, man. Yeah, that's kind of bullshit. That that woman is uh, soulless, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and finally, we got Peter Kazanji, and Pete is the founder of Modern Sales Salon, and he also founded Talent Ben, which eventually got by Monster. And I think I think this is three in a row for for Pete. He's heating up. He, he's heating up? Yeah, that's awesome. I think of the same thing. <laughs> uh, Peter talks about a potential customer who just wanted access to all of Talent Bin's data uh, for less than pennies per record. And, you know, being in the data space, we I've, I've experienced this, uh, this request pretty often as well. So. Yeah, totally. Basically trying to, like, insanely lowball you, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's Pete and how he handled it. You know, when you're, when you're first starting out and you're selling something, and you're trying to nail down your pricing, um, and um, you know you occasionally you interact with people who they kind of if you if you externalize the fact that maybe you're a little unsure, they kind of sniff it out, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna suplex you," right? So I think one of the things at Talentbin, um, we had a recruiting search engine that had all these profile objects, hundreds and hundreds of millions of of profile objects, composite profiles for recruiting use cases. Um, in this search engine that had like a lightweight CRM with like, you know, email integration, et cetera, et cetera, on top of it. So imagine like data nice with like persist IQ kind of like welded on top of it. We had that for recruiting. And so one of the things that we wanted folks to, we wanted folks to use the workflow functionality because they, um, because it was stickier and it would embed them and they get value out of it. We'd be closer to kind of like the money, so to speak, of hires. And we had this fo- this person who was like, yeah, we just want access to your data and we want it all. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, so you just want to like download, you know, you know, millions and millions of profiles and put them in your CRM and you want that for eight grand? <laughs> and, and so it was kind of like one of those things where like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I also would like, you know, a unicorn that like sprays money on me. However, Unfortunately, we can't do that because then we'd be out of business. <laughs> and moreover, like the value that you're being provided there for like the, the, the cost that you're proposing is insane. So I just had to like walk them through the rationale, um, the rationale of like why that couldn't happen. And like we'd be happy to do some sort of data deal maybe, but at you know, at a pricing that was more in line with the value that was being that was being provided. But it was kind of like one of those things where, you know, maybe they were just being silly and they hadn't thought about it, or maybe they just thought that like I could be a, I, I'd be a total pushover and I was desperate for money. Um, which you know, in early stage organizations, you never know, right? Like they might be three months from being out of money, so that ten thousand dollars pays for another engineer for like another month, right? Um, but I think you just, it's just another objection. In that case, it was just kind of another objection. It pretty much was like a pricing objection, if you if you think about it. Um, and so just had to handle it in the same way that you would handle most pricing objections, which is like you know talk about the value, align the value to the price, or sorry, the value to the uh, the cost, 
and uh, and then work through it. And that is our show for today. And you know, Ben, I, th- I think we hit a record for for f bombs today. We did. Yeah, yeah we probably yeah. did. It's probably a good you know good thing. Nothing bad with that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe exactly. we should put some explicit warning, like the old <laughs> NWA records when they came out. They had the explicit lyrics maybe we should get that on top of the podcast I, I i'm gonna blame it on on ryan williams like after after he was on the show like it changed from a family show to to like something else you know? it really did it really did grandma won't listen to it anymore quite <laughs> the same way <laughs> that's right you have been listening to stories from the sales floor a special thanks to our guests brian burns mary lou tyler Matt Hines, Mark Birch, and Pete Kazanjian. Coming up next week, we got another great show. Uh, we're going to start a love affair. And yeah, that's right. We're asking our guests when did they fall in love with sales? So stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at SFTSF Podcast. And for more content and info on how to connect with our guests, head over to salesfloorstories.com. Also, check out our services. Visit datanize.com to find the perfect prospects at the right time. And to be more effective at following up with those prospects, check out PersistIQ.com. I'm Brandon Redlinger. And I'm Ben Sardella. We'll see you next time on Stories from the Sales Floor. And don't forget, share my shit. <laughs>